0: Here we go. Season 7. All aboard. If you missed it, here's what we believe. 66 book canon. We believe in a 66 book canon. There is no more, there is no less. It's 66 books.
1: That Yeshua who is preached by the apostles in the gospels and in the epistles is the only means of salvation as we are calling in Yeshua means.
0: In other words, justification is by faith alone and not by works that any man should boast. Faith working through love. We are unashamedly Trinitarian. We're also unashamedly uh, believe in the doctrines of grace, what is commonly referred to as Calvinistic.
1: The, the New Covenant is not time-bound. That is to say that the the horizon of the faith of our father abraham is no different right. no no it is not shy of the horizon of our hope and our faith in other words the, that the salvation,
0: salvation was salvation was the same for abraham as it
1: is for us right, right.
0: It is Wednesday, August 12th, 2020. This is Messiah Matters number 310. Surprised that Rob decided to give all of his books away. My name is Caleb Haig.
1: And sitting in the midst of an almost bookless room. Now, there's books here and there's a whole bunch of books here that you can't see. I told my wife yesterday, I'm like, I have way too many books. I wonder if I can get rid of 100 books. That's my challenge. I'm Rob Vanoff, by the way. (laughs) Uh,
0: So Chris in the chat room. Oh, man, it's early in New Zealand. 430 a.m. Good gracious. Nice. That is dedication. That's dedication to something. Probably not us. It's probably dedication to work or something, but it's still dedication. Good job. Coffee helps. (sighs) Yes, coffee does help. All right. Uh, Yeah, we got so much to talk about today. I love these kind of weeks, and I'll tell you why. Can I tell you why I love these kind of weeks? Let me tell you why. This is why I love these kind of weeks. Because we have so much to talk about today that we probably won't get to it all, and we'll already have content for next week. That's why I love these kind of weeks. All right. With that said, I'd like to thank all of our producers, uh, executive associates, and just our supporters. You are the reason that we're on air right now. Thank you so much. Uh, and also I would like to ask a favor of everyone out there. Go ahead and give this uh, video a thumbs up if you like it. Also smash that subscribe button as the kids say today. Subscribe to this YouTube channel. It doesn't uh, seem like it's a lot, but it actually helps us a ton. Uh, and does more than you might actually think. Um, give us a call. Be a part of this conversation. 253-465-3205. I'm getting this all out of the way right now. And the reason why is because we're just going to launch into topics. 253-465-3205. You can also shoot us an email. See hegg at It's C-H-E-G-G-G. C-H-E-G-G. That's what it is at TorahResource.com. And don't forget that this show is ultimately brought to you, produced by Torresource.com. Go to Torresource.com and find all sorts of wonderful teachings free and paid there. You can find video, audio, books. You can find... Uh, free articles you can find free teachings we have podcasts we have all sorts of stuff and also right now registration is open for our fall quarter of tour resources and we have some uh we have a lot of people signing up it's gonna be a really good quarter i'm very excited for it okay with all that said let's jump in we got a lot of topics what do you what are you laughing at
1: I just got an email from one of our listeners that made me laugh I won't share her name but <laughs> she <laughs> I love it they had some people come in and teach want to teach their group mm-hmm. and finally that group that are these people and there, something wasn't right and finally these this couple that was teach wanting to be teachers said we it's not deep enough like you guys aren't te- uh learning the deep things of of the scriptures enough for us you need something that's more introductory and so we're gonna it's not a good fit for us so those quote teachers left and then they recommended that you know your group needs someone like Jim Staley Mark Blitz or FFOZ to help guide you you. (laughs) Uh, oh my goodness yeah for those deep mysteries (laughs) to help them transition into the deeper sowed the prophetic sowed level
0: (laughs) I think that view is headed for
1: a deep mischief. Okay. I replied. I replied. I said, seriously, you guys need to thank God that that couple left <laughs> yeah, and no is joke. gone.
0: Okay. <laughs> Chris, by the way, in New Zealand says it's dedication to you guys. Thumbs up. We love you, Chris.
1: We love you. Yeah, right on.
0: Okay. Let's jump in. We got so much to talk about. I can't wait. I can't wait. Let's jump in. From I, uh, Isaiah is the man's name who sent this into our email. He says this, what do you think the Lord is saying in 1 Corinthians seven seventeen through 20? It seems like Paul is saying that if you were uncircumcised before you were saved, that he can walk out your Christian li- life like that. Yeah, this is the mainstream, I would say mainstream quotes around mainstream Christian view of this. Actually, I'd say that this is the, uh, when I say mainstream, you're getting into all denominations, right? Right. Um. Yeah, so well, it gets
1: into this word clasis. What is this word calling? And we know that Rabbi, I'm using scare quotes, Rabbi, yes, uh, David Rudolph, who is a messianic quote, rabbi. (laughs) I'm using scare quotes, I'm using scare quotes quotes around for those who are listening because I'm not really, I don't really think he's a rabbi, I don't call him a rabbi, but I because he publishes himself that way, quote, a rabbi, David Rudolph. Uh, argues that this klesis word here is the calling ah. and that the calling, there's a Jewish calling and there's a Gentile calling.
0: And this gets into a really large word, which our audience by now knows very well. If you listen to us often bilateral ecclesiology.
1: Yeah. This, which is a, another quote, scare quote, rabbi, <laughs> Mark, uh, Kinzer. No. Yeah. Kinzer, Kinzer. Uh, they are kind of of the same mindset, I, I think. Uh, I would say they're pretty close to probably sharing a view on this. And so they read this passage and say, oh, this is, you know, if you're Jewish, be Jewish and live a Jewish lifestyle, which um, is uh, best lived out according to rabbinic halachic
0: And chat
1: room, uh,
0: chat room what's my answer going to be? What's my answer going to be? I'll, I'll give you a couple of. I'll give you a couple of seconds while Rob continues. Go ahead, continue, Rob.
1: And then, if you're not, if you're not Jewish, that you kind of find find your place among the various expressions of Christianity. You know, like you know, Anglican or Catholic, maybe even I don't know, Catholic. Yeah, you know, the messianic quote rabbis have relationships with the Catholics, right? I mean, there's reconciliation between. It's seen as judaism and christianity coming to terms with mutual respect you know um no
0: one Uh, in the chat room wants to guess my answer uh my answer is going to be or my my response is going to be have they read ephesians yeah well
1: yeah Um, and i remember i remember uh rudolph was given a paper on this and nt wright was just like (laughs) like like during the paper (laughs) <laughs> and you know here's the thing you get you go to one of these papers and you're like people I, I, people would have to be kind of naive or or just totally not situationally aware to know that N.T. Wright sitting like right in the middle of the third, row, yeah right third
0: now. row back yeah I mean it's like because it's, ra- yeah. it's, it's, it's just <laughs> yeah
1: it's it's not that he's a celebrity but it's like people you know they know who he is no and they, no, no. The they biggest, respect the big, him
0: the biggest Bible nerds in the world have no celebrity status until they get to ETS or SBL then all of a sudden they're <laughs>
1: rock stars they then, walk
0: down and like the 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 crowd the crowd parts and music starts playing
1: yeah. Yeah, it's like, yeah, and you know, Caleb teased me when Steve I walked onto the elevator unexpected. But I'm telling you, get. Watch Caleb around E.P. Sanders or N.T. Wright. And, I don't know what you're uh, talking about. And you have that. Okay. So <laughs> get a picture of me. No. <laughs> you know, I had to get to, you had to jab you back on that one. <laughs> okay. Anyway, so so uh, it's funny. So N.T. Wright's like, oh no. Okay. Hang on just a sec. So, so then he gets up and leaves. He, I don't even think he bothers yeah. like asking. It. He's like, I'm done. I'm out of here. White
0: Whiteside uh, in the chat room make for the win. He says uh, maybe uh, circumcised in that context means in terms of uh, proselytizing. Hashtag Tim Hag on
1: Galatians. Um, Yeah, so. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so what what it means is the person verse eighteen was anyone called after he had been circumcised. What we have to understand this this in my reading this doesn't is not talking about a Jewish person.
0: Okay, hang on just a sec. Before we... Okay, hang on. We're jumping ahead of ourselves. Let's read the passage for everyone. Uh, so 1 Corinthians seven seventeen through 20. Only let each person lead the life that the Lord has assigned to him and to which God has called him. This is my rule in all the ecclesiae, which was anyone at the time of his call already circumcised. Let him yeah. not seek to remove the marks of circumcision. Was anyone at the time of his call uncircumcised? Let him not seek circumcision." For neither circumcision counts for anything nor uncircumcision, but keeping the commandments of God. Each one should remain in the condition in which he was called.
1: Right, and the condition, word condition there is the word calling. That, um, NASB says condition, the net says situation in life, but it's it's literally in the calling. Right. So the idea is that there are two primary, and this, I think Rudolph also has an article called The Rule in All the Churches, because based on verse 17. So what's Paul's rule in all the churches? According to Rudolph, it's Jews stay Jews, Gentiles stay Gentiles, and there's different covenant uh, uh, ramifications for whichever calling you're in. It's like two lanes on the freeway. Well, he's right about Jews stay
0: Jews and Gentiles stay Gentiles, but he's wrong about everything else. And um, so
1: right, right. Because so, yeah, he def- let, yeah.
0: let, let me jump in here for just a second and try to clarify a little bit of what my position is on this. As we've talked about, and I've talked about on this show many times, the idea of circumcision and other words. Okay, so for, let, let's use a different word for a few seconds. The word "flesh" can m- mean multiple different things within the biblical narrative. So, for instance, it can mean the body, the actual body. It can also mean like the uh, the, the calling of the like the the. Flesh is like uh, your desire towards sin, right? Um, it can mean multiple different things. When we the same thing can happen for circumcision. And I've argued multiple times on this show, and so has Rob, and so has my father and his work as well, has argued that circumcision can mean multiple things. and one of those uh, things is to go through some form of a uh, what word should we use? conversion? Uh, to become a Jew if, if quote marks uh, I mean should we give a prize away for the person who can tell us how many quote marks we use in this show? <laughs> anyway, um, the point is is that um, he says specifically in this in this uh, passage he says for uh, let him not seek to for neither circumcision counts for anything nor uncircumcision, but keeping the commandments of God. Circumcision is a commandment of God, right. And so, so obviously circumcision has to be, uh, physical circumcision cannot be what they're talking. About. he's talking about here. So what is he talking about? I believe that he's talking about the idea that a person, and this is what the Jerusalem Council is about as well, that a person has to go through this ritual conversion to be considered part of the covenant. And that's not the case. You don't have to go through some ritual conversion. You don't have to, quote unquote, become a Jew to uh, be considered part of the, uh, a covenant member. No, faith is what makes you a covenant member. And, and Paul argues this in Galatians, right? Who's the model that he uses for this? Abraham. Abraham was a covenant member because he believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. And then after that, he was circumcised. And so the point that I think Paul is making here in 1 Corinthians is it doesn't matter if a person goes through some ritual conversion or not. Stay in the Stay as you are. If you're a Gentile and you're viewed as a Gentile, be a Gentile. If you're a Jew... And, and you're viewed as a Jew, be a Jew. But the point is, is don't go through some man-made, made-up re- religious ceremony to all of a sudden gain clout and status in a community uh, because they have some man-made thing that says, now you're part of the covenant. That's how I take it.
1: Yeah. And you have to understand uh, also that like verse nineteen, hepertome and he acrobustia, that is the circumcision group, or the the idea of the group called the circumcision, and the idea of the group called the acrobustia, which literally means the foreskin. Right. Yeah. You know, it's a group. It's a group identity. It's tr- trying to avoid the shame because what you have, you have believers in Yeshua. They're not Jewish and they're called shameful things. They're called, Oh, you're just a, you're a foreskin. In other words, you don't belong. And so people, if they believe that's real, Oh my goodness, I'm ashamed. I'm like, I'm ashamed. Therefore, sociologically, what happens? They want to try to please the people that are um, abusing them to try to like reconcile and remove this mark of shame. And that's, Paul says, that's not, that's not how the New Covenant works.
0: We see this but, specifically in, in Acts, I think it's 10, right? Because mm-hmm. I, within the synagogue, you have three different categories that they give. The, the regular, I mean, the Jew is implied, but then they have two kinds of Gentiles. They have people that they call Gentiles, and then they have people that they call proselytes. And they're, they're differentiated. There's two different Greek words.
1: Here, in, in the way I read this in verse eighteen, was any man called? Well, it's not even any man. Was anyone called um, having been circumcised? That is not talking about a Jew who is circum Jewish male who is circumcised at eight days old. Right. That's talking about someone who had become circumcised as a Gentile, becoming circumcised in order to be part of the circumcision. You know, he's and he's telling 20. that person, he's telling that person who's now. So imagine a person who's a Gentile. They go to the land of Israel or they meet some Jews and they say, Hey, I want to worship the God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. And they say, well, you need to be circumcised. So they do that. And then they're in a situation where they hear the gospel and they believe the gospel. Now they're wondering, what do I do? Paul's saying, "That's okay. You're, you're don't change anything. Don't change anything. You know, you're, don't, you know, don't, end the epispasm is the idea. Yeah, yeah. don't don't change yourself. The we're not going to explain
0: that one. Go ahead and look it up yeah. online. <laughs> um, Evelyn in the chat room says, it's no different than some denominations teaching that if you don't speak in tongues, you don't have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. I agree with you, but at the same time, I would actually liken it more to the, the denominations that say, if you're not baptized into our denomination, for instance, the Catholics do this as well. But there are other denominations as well, right? It, oh, you were Methodist? No, 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 no. You have to be baptized into the Baptist Church or uh, whatever churches that say that—that that is, this is exactly what Paul is speaking against. No, we're bat- one baptism into Christ. Doesn't matter the denomination. Um, right, okay, right. let's move on. We got it. We well, got, one other
1: thing: there was a really good. Oh boy, I wonder if it was it our? I think it was our friend Justin from Tri Cities had a really cool shirt once, and it took. It had the three verses where it says. Um, it says, you know, the circumcision is nothing, and the foreskin is nothing. But, and then, and there's three of those, and one of them is Galatians um, five six. It says, circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything, except which is circumcision, nor foreskin means anything, but faith working through love. So it's faith working through love. Galatians six fifteen. The circumcision is nothing, nor is the foreskin, but new creation. And then this one here, but keeping the commandments of God. So so, it's a really clever uh, logo he had. It said, faith working through love, new creation, keeping the commandments of God. I thought that was really clever.
0: Yeah, that's a good one. Okay, um, let's move on. Next. Ian asks... If one does not advance in sanctification, this is a response to our talk on um, allegiance alone, which has basically dominated the past two shows. So, if one does not advance in sanctification, do you believe it can result in loss of salvation? No. Uh, One cannot lose their salvation. If somebody does not advance in sanctification, it shows that they never had salvation.
1: Right. The way I think that, if there's a... a Yeshua says it this way if there's a branch that doesn't produce fruit it's it's cut off right but if there's a branch that produces fruit it'll be pruned to bring more to be more, more fruitful but the but but the branch won't be cut off right so a little bit of fruit is a good thing and a little bit of fruit means that you're a child of God and that he's going to discipline you and correct you and guide you and shape you so that you will be more fruitful, but the branch that has no fruit gets lopped off. There's no; it's not like it had salvation and then lost it.
0: Yeah, Jeremiah uh, asks, "What is fruit exactly?"
1: Fruit is any kingdom value, anything that God treasures and that God desires. That, yeah, that, I, I and wanna, that he that he that he protects and loves and that he expects living within the covenant. And within its covenant blessing, any of the manifold manifestations of covenant blessing.
0: But you can't do that without Christ.
1: Yeah, he says, and you know, that's what Yeshua told Nicodemus. Once a man is born above, he can't even see the kingdom of God. Can't, you don't, you're not even gonna recognize it when it hits you in the head. How he says, How 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 are you gonna understand? You know heavenly things. I'm telling you earthly things, and you don't even understand. But back to back to what you said, Abraham, the faith of Abraham. It says, and Abraham tr- trusted; he had faith in Adonai, and and the Lord reckoned it to him as righteousness. That's fruit. When God looks at Abraham's faith and says, bingo, that's righteousness. That is a, that is something that is precious in God's eyes. And that's, that's a heavenly value. That's Abraham didn't get his reckon of righteousness from following, trying to do what the world does. He didn't, he didn't, you know, it wasn't a big road sign that said, Oh, if you buy, you know, do this and your life will be better. It wasn't anything like that. It's faith trust in Adonai.
0: Jeremiah says, "Is keeping Sabbath a fruit?" Then just wondering. Once again, any part of the covenant that is done in love towards Yeshua is
1: fruit. right. And that's a really good question. Not everybody who keeps the Sabbath. Understands what it means that the Shabbat is an oneg, is a delight. Right. Right. That's why in Isaiah it says, "Who calls the Shabbat an oneg, a delight?" Well, there's. What does that mean? We need to. I don't want to delight in something because my flesh delights in it. I want to delight in something because it really is what the Lord delights in, right? It, that's why I love that. I love that Psalm of the Sabbath Day, Psalm ninety-two. It says, "You make me glad by your deeds, by what your hands have made." Right. You, you know, I rejoice at the works of your hands. In other words, we as the as the newborn believers, we are going, Abba Father, we're we're rejoicing in what God does. gifts like in james he says every good gift comes from heaven comes from above those are the blessings that real for us and it's uh being fruitful being the like the psalm one the tree bearing fruit in its season is where we participate in the joy in the blessings in the grace in the shalom but we're not attributing it's not of us we're just the branch you know yeshua says i'm the vine there's a <clears throat> the branch, and then there's the fruit. Without without the vine, we can't produce any fruit, right? We we don't just produce fruit on our own. It's only in our walk, in our in our living relationship with the risen Messiah, do we have fruit.
0: Uh, good question.
1: This is a, yeah, a really good. Yeah, so, really good
0: someone can lose discussion. their salvation, but someone can also be prevented from being saved. It's all the unforgivable sin. It's called the unforgivable sin. Nope, I'm sorry, I disagree with you completely. Someone cannot lose their salvation. None will be snatched out of his hand. Um, none. And uh, yeah, so I I totally disagree with that. Anyway, um,
1: yeah, we got a lot going on in the yeah, chat right? Okay, this has to do with the, the power of Yeshua. Yeshua's power, right? it's yes. That he had said. And Caleb you and I were talking about this the other day, and it might it might pivot into another thing. I don't remember if we're talking about. But why is it? Why does in Matthew one does it say his name will be Yeshua? For he will save his people oh, from their let's,
0: sins. Okay, hang on just a like, us let's, let's just Boom. go to that question. Should we just go to that question? Yeah, yeah. Okay, this came in on the comment line. We, we were going to save this to the end, but you know what? Why not do it right now? Uh, here we go. Hi, Robin Caleb. I have a question about the name of our Messiah. I cannot seem to find a verse that says his name is
1: Yeshua, which would be translated in Greek as Jesus. So I'm wondering how we came to this conclusion and what the history behind
0: the name Yeshua is. I appreciate any insight.
1: Okay, there's actually- First of all, thank you so much. I I love that. I love that question. And so I don't know what her name was, but thank you for taking the time to clarify. and, And I mean, she just put it so concisely and clearly. Yeah, well,
0: uh, okay, hang on just a second. I, I, I would actually disagree with that. I think that there's a really? lot that could— Yeah, I would think that there's a lot that could be interpreted here. Are you suggesting that the name Yeshua itself, like the Hebrew name Yeshua, is what's at question here? Are you—like, is the question—could it be Yehoshua? Could it be uh
1: Oh, interesting. Yehoshua. Oh, I don't hear it. That's interesting. Or, I don't hear it that or, way at all, so or, I guess I mean, we hear it.
0: Or or is it just that the name is like— or. Or is it an interpretation question, like we, the pronunciation, interpretation? What is it? No matter what, I mean, we can answer all of them. Because the, the fact of the matter is that you have tradition going back all the way to the first century, and even uh, inscriptions of the name Yeshua.
1: Right, right. I, so I took, it, I took the call as just being at face value.
0: Like, but what what do you think is it. that face value what i mean describe I the question take it to
1: it. Me. what what she means is like can like help us help me understand how we know this um
0: that the name is yeshua yeah yeah well i mean there's multiple ways
1: so so um do you do you want to
0: well do you want to hit way? on some, uh inscriptions and then i'll hit on Matthew? i would
1: say i i have three points to make like three ways there's three ways we can approach this and but before I do those three ways, I would just say that we actually get the name Jesus through the Latin. Right. Right. We we don't really get. Well, it's it's a this is why, you know, Nehemiah Gordon's book, it's called the Hebrew Yeshua and the Greek Jesus. It's really wrong. It's really the Aramaic Yeshua and the Latin Jesus. Really? <laughs> you know, it's that's really more accurate.
0: But I mean, Yesu. Is I mean we can trace the Greek into English.
1: Yeah, but we don't get Jesus through uh, through the Greek directly. We get it through it's 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 a Latinization of the Greek, and then we get the English because we would never get just the J E S U S. The S U the S U S at the end is from Latin. Right. Okay. Because yesu in Greek it's it's O it's an omicron. After the Sigma. And so um, I I think we get it from Latin. But aside, aside from that, th- there's three main ways that we can understand that. One is we can learn it from the Tanakh itself. We look at the name Yehoshua ben Nun, the Joshua's son of Nun, for you know, Moses' uh servant, who you know, the name of the book of Joshua is named after him. And so that's the first way. And, and, and what we look at, there's two ways we can look at Joshua. We can look at it in the Tanakh, how in Aramaic portions of the Tanakh from Ezra and Nehemiah, his name is Yeshua. It's just Yeshua Barnoon. So it's Yod, Shin, Vav, Ayin, and it's the same person. And there's another person, uh, Yehoshua, who's called Yeshua in the Aramaic portions, also. So we we learn from the just from the Tanakh itself that Yeshua is uh, is one of the names called people whose official maybe birth name was Yehoshua. The second aspect of that is we can look at the Septuagint, the Greek translation, the Old Greek, which just treats still of the Tanakh though, which uses the Yeshua name transliterated into Greek Yesu, which I believe they still pronounced the sigma as a shin, because they just knew that it was a sh sound. Yesu, they used that in Greek to cover not only the, the newer scriptures like Ezra and Nehemiah, but they used that for Yehoshua all the way back in the Greek Torah. So in other words, when you look in the Greek Torah, you don't you don't find a transliteration of Yehoshua. You just see what it looks like to us Jesus. So there. So Joshua son of Nun, is one. Another is uh, Ben Sirah. So the book of of Ben Sirah, which was written in Hebrew in the early second century, late third century, early second century B.C., and then translated translated into Greek by his grandson. In the maccabean era so early or later second century bc and we see the same thing we see joshua yeshua son of noon in the same way we see another instance where you have um, the preservation of the name yeshua which we have from later adult- Okay, um, uh, you, just got, a you got caveat here. Come on, our, our Hebrew <laughs> copies of Ben Sira are much newer than our Greek. But that's and then the the third way is inscriptions. Inscri- like Caleb said, we have inscriptions from first century Jerusalem um, in uh, limestone um, uh, bone boxes. You know those ossuaries, where it's Aramaic. It, we have Yeshua bar something, Yeshua bar something. And so it's a name we know, and there's people who's, you know, something bar Yeshua. And so we know it's pretty consistently understood to be an Aramaic Yeshua. How do we know Aramaic? Not only like from the Tanakh, like I said, but with the name bar meaning son of rather than Ben, son of. And then of course there's the famous James ossuary where it says, uh, Yaakov Ahui the Yeshua, where it's still Aramaic. Ahui is his brother. So, in Aramaic. So all these examples, whether it's inscriptions or uh, the transmission of the scriptures in different languages, it's it, all all arrows point towards Yeshua. Then, of course, we have the early Christian Syriac tradition, which preserves the spelling yud, shin, vav, ayin, also. So go ahead, Caleb. Thanks for bearing with me.
0: Okay. Hang on just a sec, though. I mean, we we, we can go back to the fact that uh, what you were saying yesterday to me was very interesting, which is that you have this this term Yeshu uh, is the short name of Yeshua, which is is seen next to Yeshua in inscriptions in the first century.
1: Right. Oh yeah, we have an we have a, one of these ossuary, a limestone ossuary uh, from from the first century. It's before seventy, so and, before and this, the destruction of the temple. This, and it says it says Yeshu Yod Shin Vav and it has decorations, and then it says. More specifically, Yeshua bar uh, Yehoshaph. Um, and so it's the same person with both spellings, with an I in and without.
0: So the the point is, is that you have, uh, it seems as though Judaism took the acronym Yeshu to mean may his name be cursed and attached it to uh, the already shortened name, the name that people would have called Yeshua. We have in. Let's look at Matthew one twenty one. How do we right? The, and
1: one of the things, just a footnote there, it has to do with the pronunciation of the "ion." The "ion," whether "ion" is a because it's a hard, hard uh, sound to make. Yeshu, it could be a. You know, some people didn't hear it and they just say Yeshu. You know.
0: Okay, hang on just a sec. People are getting way off topic here. Um, in the chat room. Can someone please explain the difference between Hebrew roots and Messianic Judaism to me? Thanks. Yes, go to Growing in Messiah's YouTube page. I have two videos there, one on the Hebrew roots and one on Messianic Judaism. It should explain it perfectly to you. Um, Hebrew roots disregards Paul's writings, if I'm not mistaken. No, that is not one of the marks of of the Hebrew roots movement. Um, Anyway, I'm not sure why the Hebrew roots versus Messianic came up, because we're not talking about that nor are we part of the Hebrew Roots movement. Um, okay, let's get back to this. Back to the question at hand. How do we know that the name is Yeshua, and that, which is translated into Jesus in the Greek? We know it from Matthew 1. Matthew 1 says, She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Yeshua, or Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Um, only God can save people from their sins. So the name Yahushua means God will save. Yeshua means salvation. It's a name form of the word salvation. So his, his name is Yeshua because he will save his people from their sins. This is a declaration of deity. And if you don't believe me, just look two verses down in verse 23. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. So the point is, is the the way that we know his name is Yeshua is from, from the actual text itself.
1: Oh man, that's so awesome. That's yeah. one. I mean, I mean, the, the back to this Yeshua's authority mean, he says, look, you know, we, it's so easy to take that lightly. Yeah. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Right. Like, that's what he says at the end of Matthew 28. Yeah. It says, there's that song mighty to save. <laughs> like, what does that mean? Does that mean he gets most of the people he goes for? You know, he, he like, yeah, you know, I'm batting, you know, I got 92% of, of what you, <laughs> you know, you know what I mean? No, no, it's like Babe Ruth going out and he's like points to the, <laughs> like, you and know.
0: swinging a miss. <laughs>
1: yeah, well, no, but he like points to way there and then crack, boom, right? And he, and he hits the ball out of the field. I mean, that's Yeshua, right? I mean, okay, that's a silly analogy, but the point is it aligns. It, 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 there's no gap. There's no, Yeshua didn't, you know, get 98% of the job done. Right. Or he didn't get 99.9% of the job done. He finished salvation. He, he, his arm worked salvation. Yeah. The, the, and we have, there's the gravity of that needs to go right down to our bones.
0: yeah i've been i've been my brain has been very much in the idea of the need for Yeshua to be yovave in flesh because i'm reading this awesome book the story of the creeds and the confessions uh and it's i mean it's so good it is just so good I'll put it on my uh goodreads list um so everybody can see what it is but anyway he talks about the con- I, I mean, maybe my brain is just too much in this, but the idea of whether or not God comes down to us, because in the first century, the pagan view... Oh, that's right, you are telling me about it. Yeah, yeah, talk the, to me the, about The that, pagan yeah. view was that we go up to, to the gods to try to, to gain favor with the gods. We well, go up like, to God. think
1: of like, yeah, uh, Tower of Babel.
0: Exactly. And uh, what, the, what the spin for Christianity was in the first century, what was so mind-blowing to, to, the, to the pagan world was that god came down to us and so all of the, to to bring to give us salvation and so this whole idea of does yeshua have two natures is you know is he fully god and is he fully man or truly god truly man is how the latin actually puts it and the reason you know cyril is is uh, a big advocate against the idea that basically there's only one nature yeah, and he tries to really dance around it but why was this such a huge thing for the for the early church the reason why is because uh God because Yeshua has to have two natures if he if he didn't have the the human nature like the human we use the word nature is probably not the right word but it, if he didn't have the human nature then he couldn't overcome the human nature he couldn't it, anyway, the book is fantastic, and it talks about all these, um, all these wonderful, wonderful things, and the reason that these creeds were actually created uh, to address these very issues. But the idea of, you know, God coming down to us, and Emmanuel god with us in other words god comes to us we don't have to go we don't have to find our way up to god to try to find salvation god is a personable god who wants to give his elect salvation and this is why he actually comes to us it's uh it's very encouraging to me all right you are
1: if i I may read first timothy 316 Mm -hmm. by common confession Great is the mystery of godliness. He who was revealed in the flesh was vindicated in the spirit, seen by angels, proclaimed among the nations, believed on in the world, taken up in glory.
0: Yeah. Yep. Oh, so good. Okay. You want to move on? or you got any more to say? Sure, about yeah.
1: That? Yeah, good question. I uh, So, you know, is it magical to say Yeshua or Yeshua over Jesus or Jesus? No. No, you can say Jesus that's people know now here's the thing if you're talking about Jesus of the Latter-day Saints then you know now all of a sudden you know no we're not talking about the same Jesus (laughs) you know what I mean so yeah
0: it's yeah this this has become interesting for me because as I've started preaching more at our congregation I've realized that I intertwine Messiah, Christ, Yeshua, and Jesus.
1: Sure. Right.
0: So, yeah, which has been interesting. Um, Okay. Let's move on. Um, By the way, when I interact with – I should say this. When I interact with the chat room, it may seem like sometimes I'm being harsh. I didn't mean to be harsh. Um, I, j- I will sometimes try to steer the chat room back to conversation of what we're talking about. That's not to be mean to anyone and be like, you aren't staying on topic. It's just if uh, if things need to be addressed like the Hebrew roots versus Messianic, that's something that, can, that shouldn't be addressed on this show right now because we have other things to talk about. But it is something that has been addressed, that I've actually spent a lot of time trying to Uh, trace the history and also the theologies of Messianic Judaism and and the Hebrew Roots movement. And I've done that particularly because I've been accused of being in the Hebrew Roots, which I reject. And then I've also... And I grew up in a Messianic synagogue. um, And while at the same time being... uh, growing up in a non-denominational Christian church. So um, I've... The identity question of Hebrew Roots, Messianic, Christian, all these things, has as many who have listened to this show for how many years have we go, go, been going? Six or seven years. We're in our seventh year. Seven, seven years, then uh, people know that this has been a, a, uh, a topic that I've wrestled with uh, a lot, and I feel like I've finally put it to rest in my own mind. And so there's been a lot of work that's gone into those conversations and those uh, those videos and those thoughts and those kind of things. So, and of course, no matter what, as somebody already said, it depends who you ask. So, so I'm sure that people in the Hebrew Roots movement will probably watch my videos and say, "Caleb is way off. This is not who the Hebrew Roots movement is, or this is this isn't what I believe." But I'm part of the Hebrew Roots or whatever. Um, so, it, and that's fine. That's just, I guess, the videos that I have uh, are how I see the two movements and the differences between the two movements as I have understood them after doing research on their formation. Okay. With all that said, let's move on. Let's see here. Uh, Now, I don't know how you want me to present this question, because this is a question that you sent me. I'm not going to mention any names, but do you want me to read the entire question, or just the last part of it?
1: Just the the last part. This is a question that that came to me locally. Okay.
0: Why is the only way to redeem what Adam and Eve did in the garden with the death of Christ? Is it because... Their sin brought about death, and the only way to redeem it is through Christ's death. Once again, end and question. Once again, I think that this question is actually not as specific as I would like it to be. In other words, I'm not exactly sure what the question is.
1: Now, Here's, he, I, I, it is what I think the question is. Go for it. I can totally understand. We, you start reading the Bible. Let's say you, you don't know anything, but, but people are saying, you know— read the Bible. You know, I, I, I've accepted Christ. Now I need to read the Bible. So I start reading and I'm like, okay, God, God created the heavens and the earth. Okay. He created and it kind of like built up. He put man. Okay. And then he put man in the garden and then man sinned. It's like, oh man, now, now there's curse in the world. Right. And man is, is all this stuff. And then if I, if I try to fast forward and I read like a passage like Romans 5 or something, or Romans 5 and 6. And then I'm like going back and I'm like trying to then, oh I start, I, I might start thinking that that Yeshua died to fix this problem. To fit that, in other words, everything was going good. Boy, the first couple chapters of the Bible, everything's going good. And then all of a sudden, boom. And so I'm I'm on this timeline of oh hey great and then all of a sudden boom and then I fast forward and I read a little bit of the New Testament. I'm like, oh so Jesus came to fix this problem. Okay, right?
0: and and but I don't see necessary now I,
1: I would, would expand that. But then but I, well let me just finish. So my, the question is, well, maybe was that the only way to, that God could fix the fix the fall? Or was there other were there no other options? And and if it is if if Christ's death is the only option why why is that the only option to fix and so what happens is it it frames the question and this might be another what I'm talking about might be a different way of describing what you're going to say it f- focuses our attention to insist that we think of Yeshua Yeshua coming and dying as a response to a catastrophe that happened in the creation and i and then all of a sudden you're trying to equate death for death is it like you know how does what's the math right what's the math behind this and I think that, that we miss so much when 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 we try to frame it that way it, yeah I, I think N.T.
0: Wright says says this the best in, in his book on um, the day the revolution began now I don't agree with N.T. Wright on everything especially uh, I especially don't agree with N.T. Wright on everything but in that book I don't agree with him on everything however the way that he frames this question is a really good one did Jesus come to die for the sin of of the elect? And his answer is well yes he did, but that's not how the the biblical writers would have framed it. They would have framed it that God has a covenant with his people and to take and so that we don't have to take the curse of the covenant. Christ comes to be that curse for to take that curse for us. In other words, it's all framed within covenant. It is the focus Yeshua's death on the cross. Absolutely, it is. But for the biblical writers, it falls into the covenant. In other words, that that is an aspect of the covenant. It's not an as- It's not just out like the covenant for Israel's here. The covenant for Israel. You know, the covenant for mankind is here. Here are the covenants, and then oh, here's the central aspect of Jesus dying on the cross. Boom, and that's what we f- should focus on. No, it's that here's the covenant, and within that covenant structure, boom, in the center of it, here's. Christ coming to earth and dying on the
1: cross. He, he was, was going to be called Emmanuel before the creation of the world.
0: Yeah. And, Ned, and Ephesians 1,
1: Ephesians 1, he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, right? So we have to frame our reading of Genesis already with covenant, right? We're going to learn, but if, if you've never read the Bible before and you start reading Genesis, you're going to go, hmm. And then you're going to have, all of a sudden there's this guy, Avram, right? Who gets renamed Abraham and there's this covenant and you know it, it another aspect of this is you know rashi's famous question at the beginning of genesis so in rashi he lived in the 1100s or whatever 11th 10th, 11th century france and he begins his torah commentary why doesn't the why doesn't the torah start with with exodus 12 this shall be the first of months for you and for the pesach why, does, why doesn't the Torah start with the commandments to Israel? Why doesn't the Torah start at Exodus 12? And the answer is because, because it's not because God didn't know he was going to go there. He'd already chosen Israel. He'd already chosen the promised land. It's that he created a history of the world so that the nations of the world, who Israel is going to kick out of the land, understand that this is god's cho- uh, sovereign choice and that they can't say oh we were here first we're the indigenous people you you you're the you're the occupiers right so which is a it's a clever way to start the torah it's a clever question why did god start the torah with the creation of all things and it's to establish his sovereignty but it's not it's not but we're not supposed to just reason on a timeline from his creation we must it's it, We learn so clearly that it's about the covenant. Even in Jeremiah, we don't even have to go to the apostolic writings. Jeremiah says it's easier for the stars to fall from heaven, right? Or for for the stars to go away and the heaven to disappear than my covenant with with you to disappear. In other words, the, the reality of the physical universe itself is not as real. It sounds funny to put it that way, but it's not as solid and real as God's covenant with his people.
0: Okay, hang on. We got heresy in the uh, in the chat room. Uh, this person is attempting to try to say that uh, there's no original sin and that Christ has a sin nature. Christ does not have a sin nature. This has been argued from, I mean, I'm sorry, but that's absolutely wrong. Christ does not have a sin nature. The reason he, and Paul talks about this, the reason that he doesn't have a sin nature is because he, he doesn't have a father, an earthly father. That uh, had a sin n- nature.
1: What does he mean? Like, what does he mean sin nature? Like a yetzer hara? Well, like, he says. That or does he mean that like that he's bound to sin? Because this person, I
0: don't think original sin is biblical anymore. Ezekiel eighteen twenty and Deuteronomy twenty four sixteen. The ch- chat room jumped on that pretty quick.
1: <laughs> We've talked about that a lot of times. Yeah.
0: Uh, they so the chat room has already policed that one well, uh, and <laughs> somebody said. Where, Where are you getting that idea? Read this. And this person writes back, read the scriptures. Yeah. Take your own advice, dude. Um, And then he says, possibly my friend has a, a, has a whole uh, series. Oh, I see. I see where this is going. I see where this is going. uh, Pretty soon a link is going to be, is going to be entered into the chat room for people to go watch. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. yeah, and and unashamed of Jesus. Thank you. Exactly. What you have to
1: explain. What you'd have to another way. To approach it is What do you explain? A. Did Yeshua ever sin? That's one question. And has there been any other human that has ever not sinned?
0: <laughs> no, no, wait. Hang on just a sec. No, 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 no. This, this goes back. This go, This is great because this goes back to. And thank you, chat room, for uh, for seeing this and and uh, jumping on it. Um, I, here's the thing. The sin nature actually changed us. The, it it's not it's not like we just have a little mark on us that can be wiped away we became different creatures the sin when we talk about sin nature what we're talking about is the fact that sin came into the world and that we became different creatures right we, we and here's we, the thing
1: you know so in the rabbinic tradition they 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 usually say the same thing in the in the Talmud they just say that the giving the torah that mount, at mount Sinai was the antidote was to fix it. In other words, even the rabbi say, yeah, there's a problem. You know, it's... Uh,
0: yeah. I'm. This person is contradicting themselves. They say, uh, Christ has a sin nature. And then unashamed of Jesus rightly says, if Christ has a sin nature, none of us are saved then. And the person responds, exactly. <laughs> Wait, what? why is
1: he even in this
0: <clears throat> i don't know but the point is is that we we become different it's like and i i gave this analogy to to rob the other day it's like as if i had this beautiful little bunny right and i love this bunny and and it's it cuddles with me and it's great and i and i hold it and pick it up and it's wonderful and then one day i leave and i come back and it's no longer a little white bunny it's a snake now, many people probably don't know this about me, but I do have a phobia of snakes. I don't – even talking about this is making my skin
1: crawl. You you, and in, uh, Indiana Jones have that.
0: No, no, no. He does not have a genuine fear of snakes. And the reason why is because he got into an airplane and he looks down and there's a snake on his lap and he doesn't jump out of the airplane.
1: <laughs> you would jump out of I the- would
0: jump out the airplane. <laughs>
1: so (laughs) we're referring to the classic opening of the Steven Spielberg's classic. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Anyway, the point Uh, is, is that you come back and all of a sudden I don't want this thing. I'm not going to touch this thing. This thing is not the bunny that I wanted. That's exactly what happened to us at at the fall. It's not that all of a sudden it was a bunny with a little bit of dirt on it that needs to have some dirt wiped away. We became a creature that cannot live with God. That is not who Yeshua is. Yeshua is God incarnate. And the reason why is cuz he can it's because of the virgin birth. He doesn't have a father that passes that passes down that 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 sin nature to to him. He is free from sin. What he what he has is not a sin nature. He is fully human, but he doesn't have a sin nature. And I mean this is exactly what the what the uh, what the councils try to discuss in in the 400s. You have the councils of of the church come together to try to figure out whether or not Yeshua has one nature or two. Is he only God or is he fully God or truly God? Sorry, let's use the right terms so that R.C. Sproul doesn't roll in his grave. Truly God and truly man. Okay. Okay. Um, So back to it. I'm sorry, we're off on tangents now. So the question was, and let's get back to the question, why is the only way to redeem what Adam and Eve did in the garden with the death of Christ? My answer, so let's just take that part of the, of the question. My answer to this is because, the, and is this a question of how is it that Christ's death? In other words, is the question, can someone else die for me, or does it have to be Christ?
1: Right, that's, that would be a different question. Or does death, does, does there need to be a death? For me to be with God, right? Is there another path? Can I just do good? Can you just give me a rules for living, and I'll work really hard and I'll get an A? Yeah. And I know I can be with God. Does someone? Does anybody have to die? Like, why does there have to be death at all? Can't Can't we just, you know, like Ezekiel eighteen? You know, I'll just change. I'll just I'll just repent, and I'll just do what's right and that soul shall live, right? That's the way this guy's reading Ezekiel 18. Right. Where does repentance come from? How does a heart become convicted of sin? Not not because they feel guilty socially, because trust me, I mean, we know that the Qumran community, they had ways of using coercion and social pressure to get somebody to, quote, confess and toe the line. How many people look at social canceling or what do they call it, cancel culture out here? You know, people like, oh, I'm sorry, I... I said something 10 years ago that seemed like it would be offensive to black people or, or that sounded uh, homophobic, you know, and then they lose their job, right? This is, that's, it's religion. Mormons do the same thing, right? People get shamed and use, and that's what we're talking about when we're talking about the circumcision versus the foreskin, we're talking about human man-made social clubs that use coercion and intimidation to accomplish their in, and preserve their inside versus inside purity versus outside impurity model. Okay, I feel,
0: I feel like we're getting off topic here, though. Back to the idea of death. Does there have to be a death? I think that that comes in in Genesis
1: 2.17. Well, let me come back to the point. My point is this. Where does genuine repentance come from? Because there's fake repentance. True, And this gets back to the fruit. John the Baptist tells these... Sad because it says people are coming out and repenting of their sins and being baptized. And then the, the scribes and Pharisees come and he says, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come. They came out to be baptized. It doesn't say they came out and confessed any sin. They were all about the show. Where does genuine repentance come from? It comes when the spirit of God right. pierces your heart. Yes. And that's not anything you can do yourself. It's this. It's the living word of God in your heart, which is God doing the work, and that's and then that's why He says, "Bear fruit, meat of repentance." It's got to be real repentance. Don't just say, "Okay, I'm sorry, and I want to be in and be acceptable by God." It, it's got to be the real deal. And how do we get the real deal? The real deal is only available one way: through the covenant of the Brit Hadashah. It's only through Yeshua's death and resurrection. Okay, so apart from Yeshua's death and resurrection. <clears throat> There is no there's no genuine repentance.
0: Okay, hang on just a second. I want to f- flush this out, though. So I, I'm, I'm still confused on this question, whether or not the question is, you know, why de- death or not. But let's just put that to rest real quick. God tells Adam and Eve in Genesis 2.17, there's no death in the world at this point. And he says, but of the tree of the gar- gar- of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. And then they tell the serpent that in 3.3, But God said, You shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. And what does the serpent say? But the serpent said to them, or to the woman, You will not surely die. Right? <laughs> uh, so death, the idea of death coming into the world through sin, is established in Genesis. Now, now the question has to become, is this covenant? Does this have to do with the covenant? And I think the answer is yes. In other words, I think that Adam and Eve are in covenant relationship with God.
1: Well, he gives commandments. He gives commandments, and, they're exp- and, and they've said, look, here's your blessing. Yep, yeah. Here's your blessing. All this is for your food. All, all this whole garden. Everything beautiful here. Yeah,
0: exactly. And he, then he, he gave a commandment. Everything. Right, exactly. And he gave
1: a commandment. Do this. Don't do that. And it was a food law. <laughs> right, it's a food law. Don't eat that.
0: So, but the point is, is that this is, uh, and and this comes down to the to another question that is asked often: when When does God God's covenant actually come into play? In other words, is it at Sinai, or did the covenant exist beforehand? I think the covenant existed beforehand in many ways, um, if not always. Anyway, the point is, is that what is the the payment? Well, does for God sin?
1: relate with when it says He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world? He relates with with his creations it with his creatures that he creates with humanity through covenant exactly which means there's it's a real relationship means there's deal breakers yes any relationship you have where there's no rules it's not it's it's not really a relationship exactly because no one's ever going to speak truth and love to you no one's ever going to say hey uh caleb you know true love is you see someone doing something and you go hey this is not good. You know, true love you're... will
0: always push a person towards Christ.
1: Yeah. And 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 there's accountability. There's mm-hmm. there's deal breakers. Just like a marriage has deal breakers. Like, look, you know, there's deal breakers. And 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 things that break a deal are are synonymous with that's what the covenant is about. Blessings and curses. There's deal breakers. And the deal breakers are not there because God is mean or that he wants to just show everybody. How he's in charge all the time. He's not an egomaniac. It's because genuine. He knows what is true. He knows what is pure. What is holy. What is genuine love. And of course, he's the God of the living. That's life and blessing. And he's what he's doing. He's in expressing the covenant is saying these are the boundaries that preserve what is the, the treasures of my kingdom. And anything outside of those, there's is hopelessness and death. And sin and darkness right. and decay and suffering and 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 like a good parent, he's wants to convey all this wisdom to the covenant partners so that they uh,
0: understand. I guess the 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 point here is that when we think about so if we if we take the covenant to be eternal, or at least major aspects of the covenant. In other words, if God's relationship with with man. From the b- very beginning is covenantal Christ's death and the atonement of sin for the elect is part of the covenant in other words, he has taken on the covenant curses for us and this is the this is how his but but really the question then the question is is the or is this person actually asking how is it that Christ's death atones and the only way <clears throat> I think that Christ's death can atone for sin, is if he's God. Because if he's not Yothevave in the flesh, then his life is not eternal in both directions. Which means it cannot it cannot overcome sin. Only a life that is eternal in both directions can overcome infinite transgression against God's infinite holiness, because it's infinite. So I think that that ultimately, our salvation rests. On the idea and the fact that Yeshua is God in the flesh, come to save his people. He's God with us. God with us. We have another great question that was in the chat room last week, posed by Fabio, and we will get to that question next week. It will actually tie into this. And uh, yeah, thank you so much, everybody in the chat room. It looks like it was a lively Conversation in the chat room, and uh, a great thanks. We actually had a good showing today. We had, a, I think, uh, what? How many did we have? It looks like we had four. We currently have forty-six people in there. Wow! So right on. Up to fifty people we've had in there. Um, so, yeah, thanks for joining us live, everybody. If you have a chance, Shalom, everybody.
1: Live. Really appreciate it's. It's so weird. I have to admit because I'm being really good boy and I'm not following that. I'm not watching the chat room because I know that's I get distracted that way. So it's. You know, not not seeing you all physically, it's hard to imagine, but I, but I appreciate that. That's great.
0: Yes. Um, don't forget to like this video. If you can, please subscribe to our YouTube channel. We would really appreciate it. And yeah, we hope that this conversation has glorified our great God and Savior, Yeshua the Messiah. Why? Well, you know, because Messiah matters.